0: Welcome back to the ACC, guys. I'm Mike. That's Steve. And good lord, what a bowl weekend. It's been fun. It's been perfect. And we got a nice little episode for you today because we're going to talk about those bowl games and show you how awesome I am at doing picks as opposed to Steve. And uh, maybe maybe a little bit of something special. Maybe a way too early uh, uh, rankings of the ACC. We'll never, you never know. How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing next,
1: Great. I've uh, been enjoying the start of the new year so far. Uh, not going to talk about anything sports related yet because some of that's going to play a factor into uh, when we talk about the way too early rankings. Uh, there's been some interesting news already to start this new year's. It's, it's getting fun and exciting already, moving into off season. And uh, man, these bowl games, these bowl games have been amazing, uh, even when it's not an ACC bowl game. Just the mold matchups this year have been so much better than I can remember in past years. And how about the playoffs? We almost had our first two upsets in the playoffs. The underdogs almost won both games. I don't think that's ever happened before in the playoffs. So, I mean, that would have been huge to watch. And it was just fun to watch these games and how close they were to lane upsetting USC. I mean, there is just so much... Uh, when you go to look at these bowls, there's so many of these bowls you can pick and say, you know, what? I want to go back and rewatch that because it was so good.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. And uh, just for SEO purposes, I mean, Max Duggan and TCU—what a Cinderella story! Let me say that again: Max Duggan and TCU. There you uh, go. Should cover SEO for us. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, that was a fantastic playoff game. Definitely was not what we were expecting. So that's kind of fun. Uh, a lot of unexpected stuff going on, even with the ACC Bulls, but I think it turned out pretty good. I mean, the ACC came out middle of the pack uh, from what I can tell, but um, definitely a majority of it was kind of how we expected. Some of it was a little bit more surprising. Yeah. So, Yeah,
1: most of it was pretty much what we expected. Uh, we're not going to go back over the the Fenway Bowl with uh, Louisville and Cincinnati. We already recapped that in one of our earlier episodes. Um uh, You know that game pretty much went the way we expected. Louisville won. Uh, Now, some of the other games we didn't get a chance to recap was, you know, Wake Forest and Missouri. Uh, Wake Forest uh, pulled away late and was able to pull that game out. But then again, I mean, officiating in this game made it to where it was closer than probably should have been because at one point Wake Forest would have went up by three scores, and then a weird no call on a player being offsides for Missouri. Uh, ends up being the pick stands and missouri comes back and it makes it a game so it's one of those games where i think the better team won in the end uh, wake forest clearly was just the better team in that matchup uh, missouri not a great offensive team uh, very strong defensively but they were missing a lot of people because the transfer portal
0: yeah definitely and then like it kind of the tell of the bowl season so far as good as the matchups were they were probably made more entertaining by just horrible officiating um and ho- hopefully we'll get to tackle that at some point in time uh because it's just it seems like it gets worse and worse every year because so many of the conferences have different things that they focus on like autonomy is kind of killing when it comes to like just killing refereeing games it's just making it worse honestly in my opinion but I think that's something for a different time. Um, But I mean, as far as the Wake Forest game, yeah. I mean, it turned out the way I thought it would. Missouri doesn't have that good of an offense. Their defense is pretty strong, but I just didn't see it matching up that well against Wake Forest. There's too much power there. Sam Hartman's a good quarterback. You're just not going to stop him. You'll keep him out for a little while, but you're not going to stop that offense. And uh, we'll we'll see what it's like next year. I
1: agree. Now... um, Like We'll keep with this format then. Uh, Two games at a time here. We'll go ahead and go UCF-Duke. Now that game did end up going a lot like we expected. Duke came out. They played great. They took advantage of UCF not having their top receiver because I will give it to UCF. Plumlee played amazing for UCF. He did everything he could to keep his team in the game unfortunately that Duke defense and Duke offense was too much for him. And uh, congratulations, to Alco uh, being able to finish with a nice nine win season and something for them to build upon when they were already picked to be the worst team the ACC this year. Now it's going to be interesting going next year, see where people rank them and put them in these early polls. Uh, the other game to cover from that day was uh, Oregon, North Carolina. Now, That was a tremendous game, better than what we expected. That was the only game that uh, we picked different on. Uh, You took North Carolina to cover and uh, took – actually, you know what? I think at the end of the day, we both changed our picks, so we both ended up getting that one. But but it wasn't one of those games where I thought Oregon would come out and play a little stronger and be able to pull away late in the game. Unfortunately, they could not. Um, and it was you know North Carolina gave it a gave it a fight, and their defense played lights out. I did not expect North Carolina's defense to play the way they did in that game, and uh, that was probably the shocker, the biggest shocker in that game, is because this was a team that they weren't getting a lot of sacks, they weren't stopping a lot of teams, and they were doing a lot of both against Oregon, and Oregon has a really good offensive line. I mean, they're they're a good offensive line in a front that can protect Bo Nix and man it's just North Carolina's defense came to play and maybe the loss of all those players to transfer portals is what they needed maybe the people that got the play were just hungry enough that they uh they made the plays to almost give North Carolina a chance for the win
0: uh, yeah definitely and uh, like I mean Oregon still pulled it out in the end but I mean, you never expected Oregon, North Carolina to be talking about the defenses in that game. But that's kind of the way it turned out. And I'm kind of worried for North Carolina because that might kind of help Chizik save his job, which I don't think is a good thing in the long run for North Carolina. I just don't think he can call a defense. He was a good defensive coordinator in the past, but I just don't think he can do it now. The The game has changed so much, and he just really hasn't made the adjustments. They've had talent on that team. A lot of these guys transferring out are four and five stars. So, I mean, the talent's there. They've been recruiting well, but he's just doing nothing with it. So, it'll be curious to see going forward with that North Carolina defense. And as far as Duke and UCF, Mike Elko, Coach of the Year, come on. Like, that—that that is just a fantastic job. I don't think anyone else outside of Sonny Dykes has done a better job in their first year. Um, so, I mean, it's just – it's fantastic it's got me excited about what we may see out of duke next year and in the future because elko has these kids bought in he has these young men playing good football and that defense is going to get better that's it that, that's what he's good at so uh, you know it, it's, it's going to be pretty good I, I can't wait to see what next year holds for that team
1: i agree it's uh it's gonna be an exciting year to see what they can build off of now The next two matchups that we'll go over happened on the 29th, and the first one was Syracuse versus Minnesota. Uh, Now, this was a game where we were surprised. Uh, I think the spread we have... It's weird. The spread really dropped on this game, but um, uh, I think the spread we had before the game was a lot lot larger uh, of a margin, so we uh, both ended up getting it, even though we took Syracuse to cover. And uh, so... Minnesota ended up pulling away. They won it 28-20. Syracuse got a late touchdown. That kind of just helped that spread. Um, So it was one of those games where Minnesota came out, and I have to give them credit, they dominated that game from beginning to end. And there was a no point. I thought Minnesota would at least show up in the first half like they normally do and the second half kind of taper off. But really, Minnesota controlled it from the beginning to the end to the end end of the game. And uh, they just – played good, strong defense, and their running attack was really good in this game. So you know, hats off to Minnesota. Good, strong win for them. They are a team that's up and coming in the Big Ten. So it's one of those teams that, you know, uh, the Big Ten needed that win to get things kicked off for them. Now, the big game was from that evening was when Florida State played Oklahoma. And what many thought FSU would roll away in this game, and both of us missed, missed this as we both took FSU to cover, and uh, FSU got into a dogfight. Uh, the, they pulled it out, 35-32. Uh, it was a great game for Florida State um, offensively, uh, mostly for Johnny Wilson. Johnny Wilson had a career game. And honestly, if he hadn't had another drop pass, I mean, we could be talking about him tacking on another 50, 60 yards per receiving. And he'd been close to 300 for the game. I mean, he, he was putting up some numbers when it comes to receiving and Jordan Travis had a career day, thanks to that being the benefactor of Johnny Wilson. So, um, you know, great game for Florida state. You would like to see the FSU defense, maybe improve a little Uh, coverage did seem to be an issue. Uh, Fabian Lovett sat this game out, which we did you know, say would be an issue if he sat out. And so him sitting out was a huge problem as Oklahoma was able to establish the run on FSU, which happened most of the time when Fabian Lovett did not play. So, Uh, They made the game close. I give Oklahoma credit. They fought hard. They tried to stick it in. But uh, in the end, FSU done what they've done all year. They regrouped as a team, and they found a way to get into it at the end and and get the win.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, like, I I mean, going back to the Syracuse and and, uh, Minnesota game, I mean, Minnesota did what Minnesota does. And they made the Big Ten look strong. And the Big Ten has been a strong conference this year. Mm And uh, Syracuse has just been hurt too much by injuries. And it's, it's hard to keep a team together. They don't have the depth right now. And I don't know if they ever will. Um, but there's definitely a lot of history at that school. So it kind of makes you wonder what the future of Dino Babers is. Because he can pull together some good teams. But can he consistently do it? Um, especially with Transfer Portal and NIL becoming so huge in the league. I'd be curious to see it going forward in the future. It was nice they were actually could be able to try and do a comeback, but Minnesota dominated that game. I mean, there's no other way around it. Even looking like you know, look at the box scores at least if you didn't watch the game, you could tell they dominated. Um going into the Florida State Oklahoma game, I saw a team in the first half that wanted it more than Florida State. Florida State came in beaten, like just chest puffed out with nothing behind it. And Oklahoma put it to them. And Florida state was able to pull it out in the end, but it does make you wonder um, that there's going to be some coaching changes on defensive staff for Florida state with Marcus Woodson going. So maybe they can improve the corners play because it was definitely hurting them and not having Fabian love it means they couldn't really collapse that pocket as well. The defensive ends are doing their job, but the, you know, tackles weren't getting enough of a push. So And that was a top 20 offense they were going against. So we expected the points to be scored by Oklahoma's offense. And uh, so it was was a good game, though, if you watched it. It was very entertaining. I think it really held up true. Mm -hmm. Florida State's trying to rebuild and get back up there. They made it to 10 wins. Let's see what Norvell can do with that. And for Oklahoma, I mean, they put up a good fight. So it shows that Venables has some work to do. After that team got gutted, but it, it's starting to get there, and his defense looked a lot better. I think I think it looked that was a more complete game by that Oklahoma defense than I had seen in a while. So it, it's going to take some time, but I think I think Oklahoma will get its way back up and at least put up a fight in the Big Twelve moving forward in the future.
1: Oh, I agree with you. So, I think that you know it was a huge hit. Lincoln Riley leaving them, so I agree with you there. I mean, that is something they're going to have to rebuild and recover from. Um, now, the next two games, both of them were, to me, more shockers. Uh, first one was NC State-Maryland. Um, many people thought NC State was going to pull this game out and beat Maryland, and, uh, and all NC State could do mm-hmm. is just keep kicking field goals, and uh, this has been a problem for Dave Dorian's team this year. Uh, give it to Finley. Finley played great. And for a quarterback, he did everything he could. But the problem that's plagued NC State, and I'm sure a lot of NC State fans would agree when they hear this, is it's not the quarterbacks. Leary was not the problem when he was the quarterback. Morris was not the problem when he was the quarterback. It has nothing to do with quarterback play. Uh, the biggest problem with this NC State team is they have been unable to establish the run effectively this year, and mostly because the receivers aren't catching the ball to help open up and make the defenses back off of uh, the run game. So I feel like really the receiving core is going to need an overhaul for NC State for things to change in the offseason. Otherwise, it's going to be a you know unexpected rough year for them next year because uh, if you can't get those receivers to consistently catch passes, then you're going to have a major problem for NC State. They can't keep surviving off just field goals. So eventually, you know, you got to get the ball in the end zone. And if all that's all it took in this game, one of those trips turns into a touchdown. And we're talking about them most likely winning this game. So uh, that's that's a huge difference. Uh, You know, having those additional points and getting the win versus losing because all you did was kick Vogel the whole game. So uh, definitely great game to watch, even though it was only a 16 12 game. If you watch the whole game, you would understand it was a great game. Both teams played hard, especially Maryland, missing all the pieces they were missing. Uh, so, you know, it was a fun game to watch, entertaining, really good defense. But uh, now the next game that we're going to talk about was from the same day, and that was Pitt-UCLA, and that was another shocker. Pitt beat UCLA 37-35, to and uh, that was – completely unexpected everybody really thought UCLA with a run attack would come in here and dominate this and honestly it wasn't even UCLA's running game that pulled the game away it was their passing attack UCLA is driving down the field already up 14-6 on UCLA or on Pitt and UCLA is about to score the next touchdown to go up 21-6 it really put this game out of reach and it's all before halftime and Pitt gets a pick and then drives the ball 95 yards down the field, gets the touchdown, gets the two-point conversion, and ends up going into halftime, tied 14-14. So even though UCLA dominated them in the first half, they were still there with a chance to win the game. And I think that gave them the confidence they needed. So when it got into the fourth quarter, uh, Pitt made the plays when they needed to, and they, they ended up getting that game-winning score. And, and that's the difference. You know, between winning or losing, is just keep fighting. And Pitt's been that team all year; they keep fighting. And I'd also like to point out one of the things we talked about in the preview is I told you that Patty, if he comes out and plays, I just couldn't pull the gun on him being healthy or not. If he was healthy, he would be the difference. And he was healthy, and he was slinging the ball around for Pitt. He is their quarterback, and as long as he's not hurt, he's the guy that can definitely lead them to a W like this over a good team.
0: Oh, yes, definitely. And, I mean, to build off of that, that's just, that's Tarduzzi's teams right there. You know, when you are when you think you can count them out, be like, look, man, they're missing their top running back. They're missing all these defenders that are either transferring or leaving for the NFL, and they're not playing in the bowl game. All these pieces are missing. They come out and they put up a fight against a pretty good UCLA team. Like, this isn't a bad UCLA team. They got a good quarterback as well. And they put some work into it. You know, going back to the NC State and maryland game that was a game that i said like nc state's defense is going to have to do the work and it did the best that it could the fact of the matter is that offense has done what that offense has done all year it disappeared and that is something that moving forward kind of makes you wonder are they going to bring in an offensive coordinator that's going to really bring out the talent of mj morris you're losing Devin leary you're not going to have him next year Tim Beck is gone, which honestly could be a plus for NC State. I don't think he was that good of office coordinator when he was there. So good luck, Coastal Carolina. But it just there, there's a lot of work that needs to be done offensively. I think they can reload on defense. I think that Dave Dorn defense is always going to be at least passable and good. Um, but they need to do some work on offense, and this game proved that, because Maryland was not a big-time, Big Ten game uh, team. So you know, this is a game that they should have won being as highly touted at all the ACC as they were to be a team that at one point in time was being talked about as being the best team in the ACC. It, you got some work to do, Dave Dorn. Like you, you really got to push it. It was a nice emotional win at the end of the season using Finley, but you can't just keep depending on your defense to win games. That's not how this age of college football works. So it really, two really good sets of games and, uh, you know, we'll see what the future holds for these two teams and where I think they're at later on. <laughs> I
1: agree. Now, the next two games we're going to go ahead and do separately. Uh, let's go ahead and first talk about Notre Dame South Carolina. Now, that game didn't really go like we expected it to. Uh, both of us really thought Notre Dame's offensive line would establish dominance against South Carolina, especially a bad South Carolina defense against the run. But South Carolina continued to do what they've done under Shane Beamer, and that's they came to play. And uh, even with all the pieces they're missing, a lot of people opted out, a lot of people transferring to other schools. Uh, Notre Dame found themselves in a dogfight and down most of the game. But they kept fighting. And hats off to Finley uh, for finding a way to get Notre Dame back into this game. And ultimately, they end up winning it with a late field goal. So you know, it's a great score uh, for Notre Dame and the way they fought. They showed a lot of resilience. And it's great for a new coach uh, in Freeman because, you know, you're really trying to show and establish who you are as a head coach. And I thought he's done a good job of that. But hats off to Shane Beamer, though, in South Carolina. Like, he's proven that what he did against Tennessee and Clemson was no fluke. And he almost ended it off by going ahead and beating Notre Dame as well. Now, one of the factors was, though, we talked about this ahead of time, and – in the preview and the preview was that if certain people played for Notre Dame, they were issues in the secondary. And so uh, it was something that did shine in this game uh, that due to injuries, they had to play some backups. And a few of these backups have had the tendency already when they've gotten into games to give up big plays through the air. So uh, hats off to South Carolina for just doing your homework and exploiting and, and making big plays.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, it, I mean, it, hats off to Spencer Radler. I mean, I was one of the very many people out there that counted him out. But these last three games of the season, he looked like the quarterback that everybody was talking about when he was in high school. Um, he still has some work to do if he's going to move on to the league. But, uh, you know, it's there. He's starting to get it. He's using that experience. And, like, I, I'm i definitely going to be paying attention to uh, Chain Beamer moving forward. Like, he's – He's really building something there in South Carolina. It's nice that he's doing that. And uh, as far as Notre Dame and Freeman, Freeman did pretty good for his first year. You know, and uh, this team showed some fight. I mean, you, you had that horrible loss to Marshall to, at the beginning of the season, and everyone counted Notre Dame out. And they still fought back. They became a top-10 team. And then they go over to the Gator Bowl, and they take on a team that already had two top-10 wins under his belt, looking for a third and put the, the fight for them they fought back and they won it so uh, it's always pretty good i can't wait to talk about this next one because oh boy <laughs> battle of the oranges ah
1: uh, battle of the oranges and oh, the, the orange bowl that did not go how either one of us thought it would um but then again it's it's just showing that where this team is is struggling for Dabo right now um Tennessee came out. They played great. Milton played a great game. He exploited that you know, Clemson secondary, who has had issues throughout the season. Uh, they end up winning this game easily, going away 31-14. But really, the shocker was Tennessee's defense. Tennessee's defense was probably about the equivalent of North Carolina's, and Tennessee's defense though came out and just stifled Clemson's offense. And from the beginning to the end, they set the tone. And uh, that was really the biggest difference in this game. It really wasn't the offense. Even though Tennessee's offense was off and running, uh, really it was just the defense of Tennessee that just locked Clemson down and made things frustrating for the long game. I guess at this point you can say that maybe Klubnik isn't the answer and maybe he wasn't the problem just like DJ wasn't the problem. Uh, same thing as with NC State. Maybe all your problems don't lie on the quarterback. Maybe there's some other issues there. And for Clemson, there is. Uh, the One of the biggest issues is your secondary is exploitable. It's, it's happened a lot now over the last couple of, um, years, and definitely a lot this year. So it's one of those things that now you have to really look at that and you have to improve that secondary if you want to be competitive and if you want to be able to uh, claim your title in the ACC because you know that's something we're going to move into here in a little while we're going to talk about our way too early rankings for the acc next year and these are the kind of things that when people start doing these rankings this is going to hurt clemson this the fact that they have these weaknesses in their secondary their offensive line is not as strong as they used to be they're uh, just don't seem to have the receivers that really threaten you downfield enough and the running game is good but like i said the the Offensive line just isn't blocking the same as they used to to really open up those holes for the running backs. So you know it was just we we'll have to see where things go. Really watch Clemson, especially in the offseason, see where their moves take them.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean the, the the game actually turned out worse than what I thought it would be. I figured it'd be pretty close. You know I didn't think Tennessee's defense would show up the way it did. Like you like you said, I mean that defense really put it to it. But that Clemson offense didn't look too great either. Klubnik had some really huge freshman moments in that game. The talent is there. He made some really good plays on top of that. The talent is there. But, like, that final drive before the half, like just making those freshman mistakes and just not paying attention to the clock and managing it well so you have an opportunity to get some kind of score and really push that forward, get some momentum going into the half, it, it just didn't happen. And the the biggest problem, like you said, it's not quarterback. It hasn't been quarterback. I I don't think DJ is as good as we thought he would be. But at the same time, who is he throwing the ball to? I mean, honestly. And what else do you have at running back that's actually a threat outside of Shipley? I mean, Shipley, that man put his body on the line every single game this year. That is a man. That is not a young man. That is a man. He puts it out there. I mean, dude almost broke his ribs just scoring a touchdown trying to keep Clemson in the game. That's the type of leader that you get at that running back position. But what else do you have behind him? Like who's going to help out when he's putting his body on the line? What receivers do you got? That defense, like you said, those corners were not playing too well. And this is a Hypo offense. It's more of a plug-and-play offense. It doesn't matter who Hypo has at quarterback as long as they can effectively throw a ball. There's going to be receivers open if you don't play solid defense, and uh, I mean just for me, this could be a bad sign for Clemson if Dabo doesn't start making changes, specifically in his ideals towards NIL and transfer portal. This could be the start of the downfall of Clemson. I'm not saying it's there yet, and we'll, we'll see when we start doing the rankings. But uh, I mean, Dabo's got to make some changes, man. If he, if he doesn't do that, he's he you know. Venables isn't there to save him anymore when he has bad offenses. So you got to do something. Dynasty will never end. And I know Tiger. Fan <laughs> yeah, I, I know Tiger. Well, Tiger fans will probably agree with us right now. Honestly, I think there are Tiger fans shaking their head up yeah, and out like, true. "Yeah, like we got to change something. We're not updating." They know. They're not happy about that loss. That was a horrible loss. They made the ACC just look bad. It was it. Wasn't. And that was a beatable Tennessee team.
1: <laughs> I definitely agree with you there but um, now let's go into our uh, way too early predictions for next year as far as where we think every team in ACC is going to line up and uh, where we think they're going to rank out going into next year so uh, we'll go ahead and kick it off with the first team that I have at the bottom we'll start from the bottom to the top so Um, My number 14 team, dead last in the ACC, Uh, I think this is kind of a no-brainer here for next year. And that's, I know know due to the tragic events, has a big factor in this, and that's Virginia. And uh, they lost a lot of key players, not just to the tragic events of the shooting, but uh, they also lost uh, a lot of people's uh, faith in the program. And so there were some people transferring out that played huge roles with this team. And they, let's face it, they already weren't a top-tier team. They were they were already towards the bottom of the ACC. This is a team that's really going to take a hit and reel from this. I think that they it's going to make them bottom of the ACC because there's some other teams at the bottom that are actually getting better. So, unfortunately for Virginia, it's going to be a long year. And it's going to be a rough year. But uh, who knows, maybe some changes to the coaching staff, some other things during the offseason can start spicing some things up so they can start building towards uh, next season, because uh, right now the 2023 season, I, I think even that's kind of out of reach for Virginia. This is going to take some serious rebuilding for them. They're they're a solid bottom team, and so they're going to need some time to repair.
0: Yeah, definitely. And uh, in the sake of speeding this up, because we have 14 teams to go through, I also going to go ahead and put Virginia there. Like you said, it's just it's a tough situation for them, and they already weren't a great team prior to that tragic event. But, I mean, you just got to judge it um, as a team, and they've lost a lot of key pieces. It just isn't – it's not looking very well. So, moving on to number 13, this one was kind of iffy because I almost had the entire, you know, the great state of Virginia at the bottom of the ACC. But to be honest with you, after what I've seen throughout the end of the year, although I think there are some pieces here, I just don't – I think other teams are making better jumps. I think Boston College is still a bottom-tier team. I just don't think that they're going to make enough changes on the offensive line in one year. This is a number 13 team. Um, but, you know, Virginia Tech's kind of close at number 12. So it's it just kind of like the, the the bottom three there – it is what it is it's going to be interchangeable and who knows one of these teams might be the duke of this year next year but right now i just don't see enough of an improvement with what other teams are doing
1: okay well this is uh is where we're going to start to differ a little i'm going to take a so you went ahead to 13 and 12 so i'm going to go ahead and my 13 is virginia tech i'm sorry fool me once you know, shame on, shame on me, but uh, you can't keep fooling me. And this is Virginia Tech. This is Virginia Tech, man. How many times did everybody keeps expecting them to get better? And here we are talking about them being the bottom of the ACC again. So until they actually prove to me they're going to move up in the ACC, I'm going to go ahead and put them at the bottom again just to make it easier for myself. Uh, I, I like what they're doing, though. They're making some good offseason moves and recruiting and transfer portal. I think they are making some decent moves, but at the same time, once again, there's just something systemally flawed ever since Beamer left. And I just don't know if I could trust Virginia Tech, so put them right back at 13. And then for number 12, this may surprise people, but uh, I, I put Syracuse. And the reason why is Syracuse, once again, is losing some of their best receivers to the transfer portal. This is what's killed them the last two years and this is why they went 6-0 and and finished the season 6-6, and is because they constantly keep losing those top-tier guys. I don't think that they can keep the defense. Losing their defensive coordinator It was huge, and without the defensive coordinator, I don't think that they can be the team that just comes out there and plays next year to the same level and intensity they were. I think Bowers is a good coach, but I'm sorry. I just don't think they'll be a top-tier team.
0: No, yeah, definitely. I, I can agree with that as handling a few things there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, and I'm not too far off there either moving forward with the list. I mean, Syracuse, for me, is a number 11 team. I think these bottom four are just so interchangeable. They're so close to just any one of them could be the worst. I, I just don't know if any of these teams are actually going to build off of off of anything that went well for them during the season. So yeah, Syracuse at 11, I'll take that. And even though I like the coaching, I I like what Georgia Tech did with head coach. I just think that there are some pieces that they're losing as well. That defense is going to look a little bit better, but I feel like the rest of the ACC is still going to be ahead of Georgia Tech. It's next year won't quite be the year. Give it another year, see what happens. Georgia Tech at number 10. (laughs)
1: This is where it kind of gets a little interesting for us. Uh, Number 11 is going to be Boston College. I I like the changes Boston College is doing right now in the offseason. One of the biggest things that I think they're doing is the transfer portal. They are bringing in some receivers. And I told you, I love their quarterback. Their quarterback, I think, is probably the biggest sleeper when it comes to young QBs in the ACC and yes, I know they have a, had a lot of office line issues this year, but a lot of it was injuries. They get some of those guys back, and if they can play just partially the season even with those guys healthy, with this starting quarterback and the receivers that are already landing through the portal, This Boston College team may surprise people. I might have them too low at 11. This is one of those teams where I'm saying watch out because they have that talent. With him at quarterback, that can be the team that can surprise people, and they can definitely make some plays downfield and and catch up. Now, number 10, we're on the same mind, Uh, Georgia Tech. Uh, I like Georgia Tech. I think Georgia Tech could be a Duke-like story next year. Uh, Unfortunately, like you said, I think the rest of the ACC is improving really well. And uh, if anything, maybe they can move up another spot or two with some of the other teams we're about to talk about. But uh, I think Georgia Tech does fit comfortably at number 10. And they're heading in the right direction. They got a good coach. Give him give a few years to make some changes because he definitely showed well, in half a year this year he can make some moves quick.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, uh, well, now it's my turn for 9 and 8. This is where it starts to get a little bit tricky. And, like, really trying to pick and figure out which teams are going to fit where. And I'm getting a little bit excited. I'm going to get crazy because this is way too early. So I can easily come back and backpedal and be like, look, guys, I was just playing around, having some fun. But number nine, I'm going to go with Pitt. I like what they did in the bowl game. I think there's something to build off of there. But once again recruiting is still kind of an issue. They still need to do some work there. I just think other teams are doing a little bit better recruiting-wise. I could see them moving up and being better, but right now they're my number 9. And 8, this is where it might get a little bit controversial. I'm going to put North Carolina at 8. And here's why. Their offense is going to be super talented. But their defense that would that, that was Oregon they're playing against. There's still a bad defense. You show up one bowl game and that's it? No, you still got Chiswick as your defensive coordinator. You still lost multiple talented players to the transport portal already. And who knows what's going to happen in recruiting. Like, are they going to be top 15 recruiting again? Because it's not said and done yet. So, uh, to me, that this might be the shocker. This might be me getting – let's look for the clicks. But, honestly, I – I think eight is a good spot for North Carolina. (laughs) Man, no love for Drake May. Okay. All right. Well, uh, (laughs) North
1: Carolina, definitely a shocker. At this point, honestly, I can say this. Before I get into my eight and nine, I feel like three through nine could be interchangeable. So it's not the bad thing that you have North Carolina there. I really think that three through nine is going to be that close in the ACC next year, that everybody's going to be just a few steps off. And it's really going to be about what moves you make in the offseason as it continues with transfer portal and everything and uh, how you improve your team from there. So with that being said, my number nine is Wake Forest. Uh, Wake Forest will drop. I feel like they're going to have a much harder year without Sam Hartman. Now, let's face it, Sam Hartman, his back shoulder throws and his ability to make plays when they weren't there for Wake was a big difference. Wake doesn't have a great defense. They're about an average defense and really they're just a system team when it comes to their offense and so now this is it the end of an era for them sam hartman has gone and because of that without him definitely look for things to get a lot more challenging for Wake. and it's going to be harder for them to find a way to to get more wins i honestly thought about dropping up a little lower even because this is a team that some other teams at the bottom could pass Uh, so wake will be one to watch going into next year but i think nine's a good fitting for them now um Number eight, give me NC State. NC State is uh, a team that I feel like they're selling for too many field goals. Uh, they kick more field goals than any other team in the ACC this year. So this is a team that they rely on three points, one than way too much. And, yes, I understand Morris will probably be a starter next year. Uh, but even with Morris starting, there's still some issues with this team where they play really strong defense, and everybody that plays them is going to be in a close game. So everybody has a chance to beat them in one way or another. So I think that's going to be a difference for NC State. Always have to play these close matchups where you're trying to stay ahead if you can and just avoid the loss. And I feel like their lack of a running game, if they don't prove and get one and and find maybe somebody through the portal that can make a difference, I think that they're going to take a huge hit because of that.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And before I go to continue on here, please make sure to hit that like button, smash that subscribe button, and crush that notification bell for us, and also leave a comment on what you think so far, okay? I want to know what you're, how you would rank the ACC teams, okay? And definitely, please feel free to fling me in the comments because it's going to get worse. So I'm going to go ahead and do three in a row here. You don't have to do this, but th- this is my chance to pick on the great state of North Carolina. You got a lot of fine teams there in the ACC. So, going number 7, we got Wake Forest. I'm putting NC State at number 6, and I think Duke's the best team in North Carolina next year. And this is the reason why. Like you said with Wake Forest, this is a team that could probably fall to the bottom very easily. It is a system team, but there were that was a much different team with Sam Hartman. You're not going to have that next year more than likely. You never know. And honestly, I just don't see enough at wide receiver. Uh, I mean, we'll see what happens with AT Perry, but it just, that defense is a bend, but don't break defense. And eventually that's going to catch you, especially if your offense can't score. Next year is going to be a step back season for Wake Forest. NC State, I think, is a little bit better than Wake Forest because they will still have a pretty decent defense. And offensively speaking, if they can pull the right offensive coordinator during this offseason, they have MJ Morris to work with, they have Finley as a backup. Like this is this is a team that can still turn it around with the right kind of hire, so I'll give them that. But Duke, I'm on the Mike Elko train. I'm telling you, man, I'm on the Mike Elko train. I, I think I think he's got something going on here, and I think being in the top five that's respectable for this team. They just got a nine win season, and they showed out against UCF. I I want to see what they can do in the future.
1: All right, well, I like the three. Of the, I was thinking about switching it up and, and going to three myself because. Uh... I like these group right here. Like I said, three through nine, I feel, is an interchangeable group right now. Right now, there's still a lot of moves in the offseason to be made, and I can make cases for almost most of these teams being better than the other one. Uh, so at number seven for me is Pitt. I think if, uh, you know, Batty ends up being the quarterback for them, I think they have a great chance. They always have find a running back to lead them under Narduzzi. So give this team a chance. Pitt will be a middle-of-the-pack team again possibly towards the top. This is a team that, uh, with a few more improvements, uh, maybe they pick up a, a receiver or more in the transfer portal, and uh, they could be a team that really contends for the um, ACC title. So especially with their style of defense they play, they show with a lot of people out uh, due to you know opt-outs and transfers that uh, they still were very effective defense because it is a system there for them. Uh, number six, I put Louisville. And the only reason I put Louisville there now is I wanted to put them higher, but unfortunately, yes, Brom is a great hire. Uh, I think that he is going to improve them past what Sattersville did. Unfortunately, in the chaos of him coming in and Sattersville leaving, their recruiting has taken a hit. Their recruiting class was actually one of the better classes in ACC, and I felt like um, they would have been ranked higher by me had this coaching change not happened. So give Brom time. He's definitely going to make them a more effective team. Uh, defensively they got some huge announcements the other day of some people that were coming back it was after I made this list. So uh, we'll, we'll see with those changes and, and how many more people start coming back for them through and don't leave through the portal. Then uh, we'll see what happens to Louisville as far as their defense. But remember that's another team where uh, one of their coaches, and um, the uh, office coordinator as well, is, is something that has to be replaced. So, uh, we'll see what they do. Like I said, Braum's a great coach. I like what he did at Purdue. Uh, look for Louisville to be a very competitive team. And number five uh, is Duke. I have Duke at number five as well. I believe in Duke as well. I believe that Duke will be a top five team in the ACC. They're a team that could compete. They probably even could be the best team in the Coastal. They're just they're so close. And Riley Leonard coming back, trust me, this is a team that will find a way to run the ball and throw it, they will make plays, and they will get after you on defense. So, you know, give Oko his credit. I was like, this is a team that everybody knows now to look out for. So, put them at number five for sure.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, you know, it's, it's not just – this isn't for the meme. This is legitimate. I think Duke's pretty good. So, moving forward, I have Louisville a little bit higher than you because I do believe in Braum. I mean, it, honestly, if you think about it, who would you rather be recruiting for, Louisville or Purdue right now? I mean, it, what he did with that Purdue de- team with less, I and mean, he's got a much better defense already built for him at Louisville. And he's going to make a difference with that offense. I kind of feel like Satterfield's offense was hit and miss a lot of times throughout the season. Brom's going to bring a lot to that offense. And this is a guy from Louisville. He understands the area. He was a successful quarterback at Louisville. Uh, You know, if you're old enough to remember that. Um, So for me, they're number four. Um, And I'll I'll just do two this time. So they're going to be number four. And surprise, surprise, if if you keep track and you know what teams are left, number three, I'm going to put Miami. I think Cristobal is making a lot of good moves in transfer portal and recruiting everywhere. He is trying to rebuild that team as fast as he can using these new rules. I think he understands that. I'm just i not sure if Miami's ready to crack above being number three yet, Uh, mainly because we just got to see it on the field first. I mean, how many times have we talked about Miami coming back? The the, the U is back, but it just hasn't happened yet. They're kind of like Texas right now for me. Show me first. But I still think that they can be a top three team maybe better and they could be at the bottom of this. I, that's just where they're at right now. Um, so that's, that's my two. Before we oh, get the top I two.
1: agree wholeheartedly there. Um, mine's pretty close. I got Miami at number four. I think that I agree with you. a crystal ball is improving the team. I'm not saying he's not going to make them a better team. They're going to be a better team under crystal ball. I mean, the talent they're bringing in the sheer talent that will win games because of that. Um, the only reason why I don't think they'll be higher is because, once again, Cristobal, I just don't trust him as a coach. Uh, the staffs he prepares, uh, his track record shows that a lot of times they they don't make good adjustments. I mean, when he was at Oregon, uh, he ended up playing a Utah team twice in a three-week period, and same outcome, same score. And the Utah players and coaches even said that they were surprised that Oregon did nothing to change their game plan coming into that second game they were within three weeks of each other i mean so if you can't even make adjustments with come out a couple of weeks of playing the same team then in-game adjustments definitely is something that has to come into question so for me chris at four is a good spot they're going to be a talented team they'll probably win a couple of these games off talent i just don't think they can beat some of the better teams in acc i don't think they're going to beat to clemson they're not going to beat to florida state uh, honestly north carolina is going to be a toss-up game for them but then again, like I said, three through nine is kind of like a game series in this rankings where any of these teams could beat anybody. So, I mean, even Duke will be somebody that could give them a challenge. So Miami just needs a you know a couple of years to put this talent in and to get these guys in position to play. Because right now they're replacing a lot of people, and so they're not going to have a lot of veteran starters. Uh, number three is North Carolina. I believe in Drake Bay, and I don't care – how bad their defense is. Listen, their defense can't be any worse than last year. I mean, if you look at it, statistically before the end of the season, they were dead last in almost every defensive category, not just in ACC but in almost the country, at dead last. And yet Drake May was winning games. So I'm sorry, Drake May, I trust. I'm sorry, I can't. I cannot put that kid any lower than the top four because he is single-handedly going to be somebody that I think can win a lot of games for North Carolina.
0: Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's not, let's just get the record clear here. It's not that I don't think Drake may is a good quarterback. He is a good quarterback, but the problem is is when you have a good quarterback like that and you play against a pretty good defense that he's not going to constantly score against. And we saw that towards the latter half of the season, You know, your defense has to step up, and it just didn't happen. It should have happened against Oregon because the defense was playing, but even then, Oregon's defense was making stops against them. And mostly because North Carolina doesn't have much of a running game, especially through injuries. But, you know, hey, I mean, it is what it is. That's just what I feel right now. North Carolina is kind of in that spot. Once again, like Miami for me, you got to show me. I've shown faith in you for the past two years, thinking that you would be top of it. And honestly, I kind of think like their record doesn't show what that team should have been this year. I think they played in a much, much weaker Coastal, a Coastal division that honestly could have got beaten out by a lot of different conferences. And I think they just took advantage of that and had a good enough record. I just don't think that they were as good this year as the numbers show. Um, So for the top two, this one's kind of tough, but... I'm going to put Florida State at number two and Clemson at number one. Even though you just heard earlier on what I had to say about Davos winning and Clemson, the problem is Clemson still has a lot of talent. It's not like he can't turn it around in a single season. And Florida State is building talent, and they're coming off a 10-win season, since the first since 2016. This is a Florida State team that's feeding off of that. They're bringing a lot back. Fabian Lovett just announced he was coming back. They just got a huge transfer at corner. They got a huge – huge transfer uh, tied in with Jaheim Bell coming from South Carolina, who's also a Florida guy himself. So he's closer to home. He's going to have some family and respect coming that way. But I mean, it just Florida States on the up, but I'm not prepared just yet. I'm not sure if this is the year. I think they'll put up a good fight. I think they could beat Clemson and go to the ACC championship. But right now, until Clemson gets dethroned they're they're number one. it, and that's just the way it is. I, honestly, I could see Clemson falling to about five if Dabo doesn't make some changes, if they don't really fix that team and focus on it this offseason. But, I mean, it, we just have to see it first. It's one of those things. I mean, they weren't that good this year, and yet they still came out of the ACC with a pretty good record and almost a, almost had an opportunity to make it to the playoffs again without even being that good of a team. So... That's that's the top two for me. Wow.
1: Um, so I, I, I kind of agree with you on Clemson. I got number, Clemson at number two, though. Uh, and uh, honestly, I agree with your statement, though, that I feel like they're a team that as we go through this offseason, they could drop lower uh, in, in my rankings. And, and honestly, I think that's an objective way of looking at them. And the reason why is, is Davos' stance, like you said, against the transfer portal is not going to be something that helps them. Think about this. If TCU wins the national championship and pulls the upset, beats Georgia, this is a team that was built off of mostly transfers that started. Um, They have eight to nine guys who were transfers that were starters. And not to mention some of the guys they've had playing key minutes off the bench that are transfers as well. So if they could pull the upset and win this, that's a huge push towards people realizing the transfer portal can be a weapon it can be something that can make a team a national championship team so with that being said i was like i had to put clemson number two because you can't with this team and everything fsu is bringing back there's no reason why i wouldn't put them number one in the acc and it's not just because i'm a Florida state fan they're legitimate uh three there's a legitimate three heisman contenders possibly on Florida state's team. If you think about it, look at the statistics, it could be uh, not just Jordan Travis, but you could make a, you know, an argument for uh, Benson. You can make an argument that Benson, if he averages, now that he'll end up being the starter, we're most likely will be the starter, now Trayshon Ward transferred out, he's going to be the starter, the go-to guy. So he's not going to be splitting his main carries. He's going to be the main guy like Trayshon Ward was, getting most of the carries while these other guys came in and give him a rest. So with that being said, I mean, if Benson gets up to where he's averaging before games where he's getting about 100 yards a game, I mean, that's a guy that could finish with probably 15 000 to 2,000 yards rushing in a season. And then, you know, if he gets around 500 yards receiving, which he can do as well because he's really good at catching them all in the backfield, he, he's a threat to be put up there. And then Johnny Wilson. If Johnny Wilson comes back, how can you not say that that guy's name couldn't be thrown around the Heisman? This is a guy that could legitimately average 150 to 200 yards receiving a game. I mean, <laughs> people can say, oh, Jordan Travis is the quarterback. That's great. But if you have a receiver that averages that a game – then uh, that would end up being something where I would have to say put Johnny Wilson's name in there. So this is an exciting time for Florida State fans. You can legit say that there's three guys on this team that are that much of offensive weapons that you could put their name up to an award like the Heisman. And uh, better yet, you could say that maybe they could all all three win their individual awards. So uh, this offense is going to be talented for FSU. We already know what they've done this year. But with all the talent they have come in, you mentioned Jaheen Bell. Uh, you, you know, Kyle Murdoch is another tight end they're bringing in, another six foot seven guy. Um, this is a team that will be loaded on offense. They're bringing in more offensive linemen, just like they did the previous years. They're going to have depth at O line again. FSU's plan is to come out and they are going to hit you with their offense, and they are going to keep coming at you. It's a big play offense. We led the country in big plays last year, and look for them to more than lead the country again this next year. And honestly, I. Th- I know it's way too early, but I'm pulling this prediction out there now. With the weapons FSU has, if Johnny Wilson comes back, I would dare to say this FSU offense can probably outscore FSU's 2013 National Championship offense. It's that good. It's that talented. Uh, The question mark for FSU is defense. And uh, I feel like they're making great moves in the transfer portal, which is starting to sure up that defense. And that's something that we'll go over during the offseason, especially when we start covering the portal more and recruiting. But uh, overall, FSU and the recruiting and transfer portal, they are building a solid team that can win the ACC next year, and they're my favorite to win the ACC.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, like, I mean, as far as that is, I mean, you just look at the stats that both Jordan Travis and Johnny Wilson put up. Uh, I mean, 200 yards for Johnny Wilson in that game. 418 yards passing almost 500 yards of total offense for Jordan Travis like Jordan Travis I I would definitely see Jordan Travis as like a possible preseason Heisman contender just because how explosive that dude is there is still the video circulating around of the best 10-yard run in the history of college football in the Florida game like people that aren't even Florida State fans are rotating that around because like it, it's just insane to see, and that's what Jordan Travis brings to the table, which is explosive player. Do I think that Jordan Travis will be an NFL quarterback? I mean, it, it's strange to see because look at the leaps that he made this past year in his passing game. So i still right now he's not, but he could be if he keeps making improvements like he has. So you know that's exciting to see, but you know, like I said, you know, it's for me, it's more of a factor of you gotta dethrone him to take him down. So, uh, I mean, I could see Florida State moving in and being number one, but it's going to be difficult. You got to beat Clemson. And they haven't done that yet. And to be honest with you, they played in a they they played about three quarters where they weren't even competitive against Clemson this past year. So you got to see that step up. You got to see them stand up against the Atlantic contenders that they All have right. to play. And they didn't do that this past season, but they did work back and played well. So you know you, you got to give it to them where it's due, and we'll we'll see what the off season has for us. It's been super fantastic doing this. A little bit longer of an episode. Oh yeah, definitely longer episode. Bob, you know,
1: but uh, and- oh, before we go, I don't know what everybody's probably wondering. What were our records? And uh, <laughs> we both tied. We both went seven and three on straight picks for the bowl games. And as far as the against the spread. Uh, I finished 6 and 4 and you finished 7 and 3 cuz I think there was only one game we picked different. Uh, I think we pretty much picked every game almost the same even though, you know, we, we pre-planned that. We just we just have to pick most of the games the same.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, after all all that dumping that I did on North Carolina that a reason I know exactly. <laughs> so.
1: so North Carolina fans you guys are watching North Carolina Atlanta for that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like oh, okay. We help you. We help you win, and then you put us at number eight. <laughs> I see how it is. Like, yeah. Well, you know, Chizik actually had a halfway decent defense for a change. <laughs> don't don't get used to that. Um, but yeah, please once again make sure you follow us on Twitter at Whom the Four for Me at S Jolly ACC for good old Steve over there, and um, you could also check out at D A guys. On Twitter as well, and always keep up with the news and make sure once again hit the like button, hit the subscribe, hit the notification, and leave a comment. Let us know how we did, uh, especially North Carolina fans, because I know you're not going to like me putting your team at eight. That's right, I'm poking the bear or whatever, or goat, ram, whatever you got there. Uh, <laughs> forgot my mascots for a second there. Uh, there is no bear in ACC. Um, so. But yeah, thank you from all of us ACC guys. Happy New Year as well. And uh, can't wait to see what this finals – I mean, unless you want to give a quick input on the finals. Uh, I'm going Cinderella all the way. Real, real quick, you.
1: just TCU then. Uh, I just want to see the Cinderella win it. Like I said, I also want to see people who are saying the transfer portal can't win you games. What better way to do it than the transfer portal help TCU win national championship? That would be fun to see, and it would be That's hilarious right. to watch all those people try and explain how FSU can't build a team through the portal. So, yeah, let's, let's see it happen.
0: Yeah. Hey exactly yeah and we'll finish it on that comment make sure you follow twitter when he finally says suck it bud elliot you can't exactly portal. <laughs> take- so have a good night happy new year and we will see you all right next week see you next week